0: Hello, this is John Martin with a very friendly greeting and thanks for joining us here on Search for Truth. Today, Brian Johnston, our Bible teacher, continues with part four of our series, Once Saved, Always Saved. Further Bible evidence will be presented, this time to show that God's grace is emphasised without qualification. So let's learn more about it now from Brian. Thanks, John. Once there was a husband and wife
1: who didn't really love each other. The man was very demanding, so much so that he prepared a list of rules and regulations for his wife to follow. He insisted that she read them over every day and obeyed them to the letter. Among other things, his do's and don'ts included such details as what time she had to get up in the morning, when his breakfast should be served, and how the housework should be done. After several long years, the husband died. As time passed, the woman fell in love with another man, one who really loved her. Soon they were married. This husband did everything he could to make his new wife happy, continually showering her with tokens of his appreciation. One day as she was cleaning the house, she found tucked away in a drawer the list of commands her first husband had drawn up for her. As she looked it over, it dawned on her that even though her present husband hadn't given her any kind of list, she was in fact doing everything her first husband's list required anyway. She realised she was so devoted to this man that her deepest desire was to please him out of love, not obligation. Now keep that in mind as we revisit Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. By grace, we have been saved through faith, and this is not our own doing, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. It should be clear from these verses that neither the obtaining of salvation nor Christianity is focused on rules, on mere do's and don'ts. The very heart of Christianity is our relationship with God. We cannot, however hard we work, we simply cannot earn God's favour. But when we understand how God chooses us all by his grace and through our faith alone gives us what we don't and could never deserve, I say when we realise that, our true appreciation of God's grace motivates us to live in a godly way and to actually do all the things that are pleasing to God. As Paul said to Titus in chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. As hard as it may be for us to accept that salvation is not based on our works, it was as hard, if not harder, for the early Christians who'd come from a Jewish background. For a couple of thousand years, each new generation of males had been circumcised. This had previously been God's instruction for an age which was now past. The coming of Christ had brought a change point, and the apostle had to lay it on the line in chapter 5 and verse 2 of Galatians, Luke he says, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he's obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. These strong words, as we say, are found in Galatians 5, verses 2 through 4. This was Paul's answer to those who had been saved through faith prior to wondering if they should then bolster it with circumcision. This passage is decisive as to the fact that there can be no mixture of any kind between grace and works. Works don't come into the obtaining of salvation, nor are they regarded as necessary for holding on to salvation afterwards. But sometimes these verses have been distorted in their meaning and made to suggest the opposite of Paul's argument, that we can be severed from Christ and fall away from grace in the loss of our actual salvation. That's not at all what Paul's saying here. Instead, he says, pure reliance on Christ on the one hand and the desire to depend in some way on human effort on the other belong in totally different categories such that seeking to even maintain our salvation by some effort of our own transfers us from the one camp to the other. In that sense, we are cut off from being able to proclaim Christ alone. We've fallen away from the advocacy of grace alone. By no longer operating in the sphere of Christ alone and grace alone, we lose all certainty and enjoyment of the salvation God's provided for us in the one finished work of his own Son upon the cross. Of course, this is what Paul consistently taught. You remember he taught the Philippian jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. But suppose now, just suppose for a moment that the gift of salvation is somehow subsequently conditional upon our own good works. Then we cannot possibly know if we have done well enough to still keep hold of it or not. And so Paul's note of confident assurance to the jailer, remember, you will be saved, would then ring false, would it not? Similarly, Paul is at pains to make himself clear on this point throughout his letter to the Galatians. His detailed reasoning is against the law, or equally against works which show the standard of the law. And the argument is equally applicable whether such works are for obtaining or just maintaining salvation. Let's just skim over a few of the many points Paul makes. He says that any salvation which is conditional upon works would demean Christ. This point is made around verse 17 of chapter 2, where Paul argues... We know that a person is not justified by works of the law but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by works of the law no one will be justified. But if in our endeavour to be justified in Christ we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. A works-based salvation, one where we feel we need to endeavour to add to Christ's somehow insufficient work, either to become or to remain saved, such a view of salvation demeans Christ by making him a servant of sin. Relying to some extent on our own efforts is also a view that nullifies grace, as Paul shows a few verses later in verse 21, saying, It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. If the doing of good works could in some way contribute to our salvation or to our keeping hold of it, then this makes God's grace of no account. As if these consequences weren't bad enough, Paul shows next that a dependence on good works in relation to being saved involves a misunderstanding of the role of God's Holy Spirit. This is when Paul says in Galatians 3 and verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? As Paul says at the beginning of the letter to the Ephesians, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of our salvation, and after having believed, we were sealed in Christ with the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Spirit's work endorsed our faith, not our works. And still, Paul has even more reasons to multiply against a works-based salvation. For example, in chapter 3 and verse 10 he says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. Works are bound to a curse, not the blessing of salvation. What's more, the law and the works of the law were like a prison warder, like the discipline imposed by a personal tutor. Now before... Faith came, he says, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. So now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. If we value what it means to be a son of God through faith... They will not attribute our salvation as having anything to do with works. Finally, Paul reminds us that we are not under law. Remember, good works, which we do, are an outward showing of the law written on our hearts. But Israel's experience should have proved to us that this is no defence against our own sinful nature with all its cravings. A sanctified life is impossible without the Holy Spirit. As Galatians 5 and 16 says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. A faith plus works formula is like trying to turn back from the Spirit to the law as our sanctifier. That's impossible. Someone confronted Martin Luther upon the reformer's rediscovery of the biblical doctrine of justification by faith alone. Confronted him with the remark, if this is true a person could simply live as he pleased. Indeed, answered Luther, now what pleases you? Augustine's response on this point was similar to Luther's. What he said was, love God and do as you please. But don't misunderstand, this touches on the motivation the Christian has for his or her actions. The person who's been justified by God's grace has a new, higher and nobler motivation for holiness than the shallow, hypocritical, self-righteous fear that seems to motivate so many rule-bound, works-based religious people today.
2: No
0: says, Not the labour of my hands could fulfil the law's demands, and all the zeal and tears that we could have, all for sin could not atone. God must save, and God alone. And nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling, and helpless look to God for grace. And that's what we've been talking about, and it's a secure salvation indeed that we have if you, however, would like to study this subject in greater detail, then there's a transcript booklet available which covers all ten programmes. If you'd like one or more for group study, ask for the title Once Saved, Always Saved and contact us either by email or by post. Here's the address. Search for Truth, P.O. Box 70115, Chilomini, Blantyre, Malawi. The email address is sft at info and you can find some past programmes and other helpful material on our website at www.searchfortruth.org.uk So that's all we have for today. I hope you enjoyed the programme and can join us again next week. But until then, it's our very best wishes from Teacher Brian, Technician David, our singers and me, John. So goodbye for now and